0: Welcome back to another episode of On The Bench With Beaks, where our chirps are hard and our knuckles are even harder. This is episode 76, and I am your humble host, Mr. Cody Beekman. And with me, as always, is Bryce McMillan. Hey, what's up? Hello. And we've got Nick Adams. Hey, how you doing? Today, we have such an incredible guest. We have the one and only, the sheriff, Sean McMorrow. Sean, say Hello.
1: Right on. Well, first of all, I I want the listeners to know how excited I am to be on a show with you three gentlemen, right? When I got the invite, it was a no-brainer. I know who you guys are, and now I'm just excited because now that we're connected, guys, now you're on the hook for the rest of your life. I'm going to be bothering you all the time now, right? So (laughs) you 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 guys made a life decision there being with the sheriff, but... But anyway, guys, I'm just glad to be on the show. Uh, For me, I'm, I'm just like you guys. I have a show as well. We're trying to bring out the best content possible. We're trying to be the best entertainers. I want to be a motivational speaker in the next two months. So I'm looking forward to that as well. And I'm just looking forward to a great show with you three gentlemen right now.
0: Oh man, we 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 are absolutely excited. I mean, uh, just just like you said, it was a no-brainer to bring you on, uh, bring you on the on the bench with us. So, um, before we get into it, we're gonna we're gonna have a little chat about what's going on in the league right now. Um, I don't know if all our listeners have uh, seen or heard, but uh, the league actually sent out a uh, notice to all the teams about criticizing publicly the re- uh, the on and off refereeing in the league right now like openly criticizing him so basically what what this notice said was if you like criticize any bit any part of the refereeing publicly whether it be a player a coach or even the front office you're going to be fined $25,000 and let's just Whoa. yeah twenty-five thousand. I mean obviously to some of these guys you know that's like birdseed but uh but I mean even so you're seriously uh, basically taking away these players these coaches these front offices to uh to give their actual opinion about what like the state of the game right now so uh for me that's just i mean well, like all right we live in free countries you know um sean you, you in canada us in the u.s i mean that's one of our basic uh brace basic freedoms that uh, every every man woman and child has been given and i mean even even in a league that's still something so big for all of us um so let's have a chat about it sean uh let me let me get your thoughts on this, man. First of all, what do you think about this, and like, how is this gonna how is this gonna affect, you know, uh, opinion and, uh, and the league going throughout?
1: Well, first off, I, I got a I got a couple things to add to this. Um, I didn't know about this until you actually told me before the show, so this is breaking news to me. But you broke it incredibly, so thank you, right? Totally. But now that I now yeah no now that I know this knowledge. The first thing I'm thinking of is, man, there must be someone in the referees union that has a lot of power. You know what I mean? To to be able to to have this happen, right? Like someone's got some power on the ref side. That's first off. Second off, you'll be surprised how cheap some of these NHL guys are. Right when it comes to money, like they make a ton of money. They they might be making seven eight million, but they don't even want to pick up the tab when they go to dinner with their buddies. So yeah. at twenty. Did you say? Did you say twenty five thousand? Twenty five k. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna shut a lot of the players right up because a lot of them are, are are cheap. A lot of them blow their through their money, and a lot of them are cheap. I'd say it's about $50-50.
0: Right. Absolutely. I mean, well, I mean, I mean. I mean, even when you're making 7 mil, I mean, that's that's 25k out of your pocket by just uh, letting something slip uh, like about what you didn't like in the game. And uh, honestly, for from what I've been seeing the past couple of years, it's become a very unfortunate parody that um, refereeing in the game has been very uh, a little up and down, kind of sideways, you know, you're a uh, 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 topsy-turvy kind of stuff. So, like, I mean, uh, we've, we've never been sure of you know like the tortorellas and uh, uh like the very out outspoken coaches and players and stuff like so how's this going to affect the the guys moving forward do you think
1: well i think i think that you know guys like tortorella they're not they're never going to change so they're they're going to be getting fined <laughs> yeah. every week yeah, right yeah. maybe they'll be like uh put money on the board not just for the winning goal but for torts potential to find <laughs> tonight right so you know so i i mean some some rules hit some people more than others right so guys like torts are gonna are gonna are gonna feel this right but i think it's gonna it, like i said it, it's gonna quiet a lot of guys like a guy like austin matthews like i'm in toronto right now right austin matthews He's not going to criticize the refs this year. He's not going to want to pay a twenty-five thousand dollars fine. He's just not going to do it. Other players that are more outspoken, it, it may not hold them back. They might spend twenty-five grand taking their family out to dinner, like or you know what I mean, the, or, or like or spending it towards a wedding or something, right? So, so maybe they'll take that risk and do it anyway. But it's definitely going to cut it down. It, it, it's going to hold back a lot of the. A lot of the flack on the ref. So that's why I. The real question is who's this power guy on the ref side? That's the real question.
0: <laughs> that, yeah, that's exa- Yeah, that, and that's another thing too. Yeah, it's like who's, who's, who's swinging these hammers yeah. to, to make this happen?
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I really don't know. I mean, the new president was kind of set in Carolina, Rod DeVlad. He's the first one that got hit with that $25,000 for criticizing NHL officiating. And a guy like that who played and is coaching now and is well off in the league as he is, I just don't know if he's going to shut his mouth. I mean, yeah. I mean, we can all be honest, the officiating's been pretty horrible this year, and it has been in the past, and he's definitely yeah. gonna let it fly. He's one of the few like torts that'll let it fly, and I think some guys will be quiet, but I mean, we'll see. There's definitely going to be some vocals out there for sure. Well,
0: what was what was actually like really heartbreaking about what Rod Bridmore said about it is like you know I always thought this was a league where uh, uh, there were open minds and that you you wouldn't be uh, you wouldn't be like. Uh, you know, ostracized for, uh, speaking your mind, and now it seems like they're really trying to kind of, like, close up minds now, you know, like, uh, just be, uh, be, quiet and complacent with whatever happens even if it is like you know if it is something detrimental to the league such as poor officiating where where it is really changing the outcome of the game like i i just you know that's like i said before i mean you know freedom of speech is one of the things that i i guarantee all all of us hold near and dear to our hearts and I mean, yeah. it, it, in, inside of a league where you can't actually speak your mind, it just seems like it's, you know, it's it's going to be de- detrimental to the, the image of the league.
3: I mean, t- totally agree with you on that for sure. Um, I think it damages three things for me. Um, I think the rest of the league, even that's a fan base in NHL is three, three things. One, you look at the media, right? Everyone loves to see the conversations that happen with the refs and the players, and being able to record those things, right? Like understanding what it's like out in the ice for a fan, for one, like that's so important. And two, for me as a hockey player, just being out there playing at, you know, fairly high level division two, you know, like when you do change, you know, talk to a ref, you know, there's certain things going on. If you're getting chipped at, getting slashed in front of the net, you know, watch for these things. It does change the pace of the game. They watch these things a little bit more. And they do call it a little bit more closely. So I just see this rule as, you know, um, a way, you know, from the top is to, you know, look at officiating as a whole. Like, do we really want to, you know, be criticized? When I mean, they should be criticized sometimes. Like, if you're missing something, you should be criticized about that. So I think, you know, the only loophole around this is more captain meetings to the refs, right? Like, that's the only way you can really get something across to the refs. So I think it's going to change, you know, the game a little more like in terms of, you know, in terms of whistles and between whistles, you're going to have a lot more captain meetings. You're going to see a lot of these things. Oh, yeah. um, it's also about, you know, coaches determining too, you know, like, is it worth for me to bitch about this and like stand up for my team? Is it worth a $25,000 fine? If something crazy goes wrong, can I bitch about this? So, I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of people honestly being okay with a $25,000 fine if they're going to be standing it for the team. Like Jared Bednar. For example, for the Avalanche, like if something was to happen, like you know, like like a more kind of situation, you would hope he stands up for his players and doesn't get a twenty-five thousand dollar fine, right? Right. Um, other thing too for me is you know when you're looking at you know hockey as a whole, it kind of brings us into our next topic, which is fighting, right? Like, is that going to d- turn us into the NFL where we can't do certain things anymore and it makes the the game more soft? I don't want to be the next NFL either. Um, so in terms of, you know, looking at how it's officiated, like, do we really need to make, is this really necessary? Like, do you think it's necessary at all? Cause I don't think it is. I don't personally, but you know, the, and my last point here is if it comes down to you as a player, like is it, it's not giving the players, you know, their, their freedom to actually speak. That's what Cody said to what's going on in the game. So how do you feel about it there?
1: Well, okay. So I, I wanted to add to a couple, a couple of your points. First off, I I heard a couple times saying how, you know, like, you don't want the NHL to turn into the NFL, which is sometimes nicknamed the the No Fun League, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And, right? And so I had a discussion the other day with a gentleman, and we were talking about the NHL compared to the other leagues. We were saying that slowly it seems like, It's kind of moving in the right direction, but the NHL is the last league to have it as a player's league. Like the NBA, player's league. LeBron James and those guys, man, they call all the shots, man. They get everything happens in the player's say. The NHL is like the last league to really start figuring this out. I think they're kind of going in the right direction, but stuff like this is setting them back like years, man. Like, Come on, you got to have some character, right? Mm -hmm. You got to have the post game shows where it's interesting. People want to tune in and see what the hockey players have to say and stuff. Because I'm telling you, man, like being from Toronto, the Toronto Raptors went on that playoff run a couple years ago, 2019, when Kawhi Leonard was with us and we won the championship. I'm telling you, like, we were looking forward to the after game press conferences and all that. That's not the feeling with hockey right now. I wanted to get to that point. And we, we, you're allowed to say, I wasn't happy with the officiating tonight. So what? Why not? Why Why can't we say that, right? So I, I, I think they're making a mistake, but, you know, things can get reversed, too. Like, not everything's set in stone, right? So let's just hope this is just a little hiccup that they're having right now.
3: Let's hope not, because it brings into the fighting situation. Like, are you going to start, you know... Finding people for talking crap and starting fights, because hockey already has been, you know, one of those you know sports where fighting's been pretty minimal. You know, compared to last, you know, five, ten years, you know, it's very rare to see a hockey fight anymore. And so, I think what you're doing is taking away character from the sport. If you, if you can't start talking crap at the refs about their calling, like they're going to start fighting you for talking crap to an opposing player.
2: I mean, we're a sport, yeah. sport built on chirping. So
3: yeah, it's all based on chirping.
0: And uh, Sean, that's that's an incredible point too. It's like yeah, that it's taking a lot of the character away away from uh, the players. Like uh, we are. Uh, let's let's be honest with you. The, the sport of hockey we are we already get made fun of for you know the interviews and like uh, in between periods you know everybody's just like oh yeah we just gotta get pucks deep you know Uh, you know (laughs) Uh, just work hard, you know, and uh, you know, and uh, you know, fight like, so hard in the corner. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. So, like, we are we already get kind of chirped for that, anyways. And I feel like taking away the uh, the uh, the way you can actually raise your raise your voice and and be heard is uh, definitely taking it back a few steps. Um, what other what other points did you want to touch on there?
1: Well, I mean, okay, so he, so here's. Here's an example that I want to tell about about how the NHL could change with the way that they are with the players. First of all, we got to get some new blood in there, man. Like, I know Gary Batman, whatever. Some people say he's good for business, but it's 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 sometimes it's okay to change things up, especially when your TV ratings are the lowest of all the major sports, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes it's okay to change things up if you're not if you're not you know. Being, being competitive on all levels, right? So I have an example of a player, Curtis Gabriel. Now, Curtis Gabriel played on the San Jose Sharks last year. This is a guy that was right on the bubble of being in the lineup or not being in the lineup. What he figured out is that if he could fight the, the toughest guy on the other side every single night, he'll find a spot in the lineup. So that's what he was trying to do. Oh, so yeah. in, in today's NHL... You know, sometimes you have to go out of your way to find a fight now, right? So, it was warm-up against the LA Kings. He cross-checked that McQuaid guy or whoever it was yeah, warm on, on, L- <laughs> Curtis on L- L- LA. Curtis. year in oh. warm-up, right? He ended up getting the fight. He could even admit himself. He didn't win the fight, but the boys were all pumped up that, you know, he followed through with what he was trying to do, trying to set a tone. And LA is building, you know, that that's how old time hockey used to be. Right, boys? That's what used to that's what used to bring excitement to to the to the games when we knew that there was a rivalry going on between the two teams. And we were wondering Oh, I wonder what what tough guys their their team's gonna bring. Oh, remember what happened last game. Oh, I wonder if something crazy is gonna happen at the beginning of the game. You don't you don't ever talk like that about hockey anymore, right? And that's how we used to talk about it. it used to it used to get our blood flowing, right? Yes, so absolutely. now, sorry guys, I'm almost done. I know I'm going. on oh, no, and on and on. No, you Absolutely, absolutely love it. Curtis please Gabriel me. got his fight that night, but after the game the NHL called the San Jose Sharks and I'm not saying that that this is all connected completely but Curtis Gabriel just happened to be a healthy scratch the next nine games. So here's a player that's trying to mix things up, trying to to get the crowd pumped up, trying to sell tickets, make the game more interesting. You know, rough someone up in warm up. Oh, let's see, it's going to be a a, a a wild start to this game. As in warm up, we saw Gabriel and, and McQuaid pushing and shoving like like that's exciting to me. You know what I mean? And I don't know about you guys, but that's exciting to me. And and, and The NHL will not allow it right now, so I think things gotta change from the top.
2: Totally. Well, 100. percent Absolutely,
1: I, I couldn't have said it better, man. Because I, I do
0: remember, I remember that like, those those games that Gabriel factored into is just like yeah. I remember seeing them like oh yes yes, uh, 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 you know Gabriel's in. There's gonna be something happening tonight. I'm I'm watching this, you know. And I mean
1: uh, like, they don't want it.
0: Yeah, that that I mean that's even uh, that was even on the Pacific time for us. I mean I'm staying up till ten just yeah. so I can see what Gabriel gets into because. Uh, you know, and and now uh, he, he got a lot of scrums with uh, KMac, uh, Curtis McDermott that year, yeah. and it was it, it was like it, it, they were, it, they were constantly, constantly. It, like you know, in the media, like you know, like people talking about it, and you're just excited to hear about it. You're excited to see it. Like you know, it does. It brings that that just like that that missing spark back from the game. Because I mean, that's what that's what brought us in hockey. I mean, we're we're Colorado Avalanche fans, you know. So Great like 96 it. through 99, it was like every single time they were playing the Detroit, it was like oh my god, this yes, yeah this is exciting. I'm getting up here. Yeah. I'm so stoked. I mean, and, and I mean. Being a hockey lover in general, of course you're going to watch the game, but it's so much better when you've got something, uh, something more, something more to add, add to the spark. And that's exactly it. Just like being able to see this almost, um, just unwritten drama that can rule into a game and and i, I agree i think uh these I, I don't know these like loopholes or bylaws that they're trying to write in are kind of taking the character and not letting people you know find a way to factor in the games other than scoring goals
2: well yeah i mean 100 percent. you can feel it you know like you can feel it in the arena when they're when you see two guys tossing in the corner you're like oh they're gonna go I mean, you could just feel it, you know. And when you have a guy like Gabriel, you know, trying to fight his way into the lineup every night, trying to start a spark to create something, just to find his way into the lineup every night, and they're punishing for, punishing him for it, and it's just not right.
1: Yeah, man, it, it's uh, it's. I'm 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 hoping like I'm I'm, I'm hoping that the game can change in, in different waves. Like you know what I mean? Like they tried to do this game plan of going all in on the skill, which I appreciate, like I appreciate how skilled the players are, don't get me wrong, Like just because I had to be a certain role at the pro level doesn't mean that I didn't wish I was Mario Lemieux, you know what I mean? Like, trust me, like, it, like, like I like to coach teams that I coach are, are, are high offensive teams. You know what I mean? So I appreciate the skill, but I just think the way that they grandfathered the tough guys out, I don't agree with, with, with how they did that. I think they could have done different things. I think that they could have protected the players more, which would have avoided all these lawsuits of players suing the league for head injuries. Why didn't they protect the players? Why didn't once a player reach five fighting majors why why didn't he qualify for a certain type of insurance if he's sacrificing his body more than another player they should have done stuff like that. And I bet you there would have been no suing and we still would be having one fight per game.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. One could only wish. I mean,
3: speaking of, you know, fighting, I just want to get kind of like on the next topic, though. Like, I want to know, you know, a little bit more about you and how'd you grow up? You know, what was, you know, what got you into hockey or sports? What'd you play? So the first question is, what'd you play? What got you into hockey? Second thing is, what kind of person were you like growing up, man? Were you always just kind of like ready to go? Like, you're always, you're always throwing, then hockey was a good fit for you to start throwing nucks, or what?
1: So, okay, great question. Um, so, for me, it's the total opposite, man. Like, I I can count the amount of fights I've had off the ice on one hand. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. obviously, I'm a big guy, so it's not like I'm being challenged every day to fight and stuff like that. Right. But, but I'm a guy, I like to get along with everybody, and I think that's what what helped me play for so long is because I'm a guy that likes to be a big team guy, get along with everyone, but I figured out that in order for me to play at the highest levels, I have to do this role. And and to, to be honest with you, the, how I got to do it in the beginning was me being the biggest guy on the team. This is before the OHL in Tier 2 Junior A. The first year of Half Visors, now it's all like like, they don't even have had... They have, it's, like, full now full for junior right. again. And now, mm-hmm. I don't even know what's going on at those, those levels anymore, man. <laughs> yeah. you, fight, you, you fight, like, three times and you're, like, banned for the season or something now, like, in those junior leagues. It's, like, crazy, man. Like, like the rules they got set, uh, like, at that level. That, that, that's a whole other show of, di- of discussion and topics. Oh, yeah. But, um, but, 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 but yeah, man, like, I, I I believe that the NHL has a chance, man. There's some really good ideas that could really get people interested in the game again. And you know, the UFC is the highest, the highest growing professional league, right? And I think the NHL should just, I think they should bring back more of the physical play, not saying like, take out the instigator rule, go all in. Like, I'm not saying do all that, but I'm just saying like, have it where players are protected that do that role. Mm. And then I think that the players will respect that and the teams will build around it and they'll figure out that instead of having 15,000, they'll have 20,000, a sellout, if they were to able to have a complete game like the 90s and the 2000s.
3: You brought up UFC. I'm just curious, you know, with your role, did you ever just like ever think about, you know, training in other like martial arts to like bring your skill up, like boxing lessons? Like, what'd
1: you do? Well, and, and, and the, the, that's a great topic too, man. Um, Fortunately for me, that league that I played in in Quebec, right? That pro league in Quebec that I had a couple stops at at different times of my career. You mean the tough What they do is they they promote in the off-season a boxing gala where it'll be like five professional boxing matches of like pro fighters and then they'll have like five matches where it's hockey player versus hockey player, tough guys from that league,
0: oh, wow. right? Yeah. yeah,
1: so these promoters <laughs> right. yeah, these promoters will call the, call the players like myself, for example, I got called and they're like, Sean, you know um, we, we, we would like you to box in the boxing gala in Quebec City this summer, blah blah blah, blah. you gotta get your boxing license uh, we'll offer you 4500 for the fight, like it, it'll be something like along those lines, right? And so, you know, guys are young. Guys, guys are like me. I, I was a big Muhammad Ali fan my whole life, man. I always loved boxing. Now I'm being offered money to box another hockey player in the party town of Montreal. I'm in, right? <laughs> yeah, So I trained for it. I trained with, like, this old-school Italian guy named Johnny Coca from Rochester, New York. <laughs> I trained for it, man. That's awesome. And I was prepared. I had both my brothers in my corner. You know, it was awesome, man. And and, uh, and I actually my first match was against Chris Cloutier, that still plays in that league. Oh, wow. he's a year younger than me. <laughs> yeah, Cloutier. I think he just got traded to the Marquis de Joncere, my old team from Laval. Yeah, I fought him in the boxing ring. Beat him beat him two rounds to one it's three three two minute rounds oh, and it just wins yeah. like more rounds right and then they put your arm up and give you like a medal and it's pretty cool and then you get paid and it was a great experience man that's so crazy it's, like, it's the the almost like a
3: underground like a hockey boxing yeah like that's the so nice club. <laughs> it's like yeah. fight club but for like hockey fight club like it's but nice. now
1: you have to remember this is an area of canada where combat sports is the most popular in the country. Like Quebec, like where Montreal is. Yeah. Like like George St. Pierre, GSP. Yeah. I know you guys are all really young, but GSP is for of Montreal. Course. UFC guy. He's retired now. He's like a, a, like popular than all the, the hockey players, man. Really? Like they love their combat sports. They love their boxing. They got a bunch of casinos up there. Like you know how all that comes together, right? Oh, so absolutely, yeah. that yeah. region loves their physical stuff.
0: So for all you kids out there, you know, um, George Saint Pierre isn't just a uh, character in a Marvel movie. He was an incredible USC <laughs> player. Yeah. Well, yeah. oh, sweet. All right. So before we uh, continue, we're gonna uh, we're gonna kick it on over to uh, Dave Zamboni for this week's uh, Dave Zamboni's pick. So take it away, Dave.
4: Hey, this is Dave from the Zambonis. Thanks, thanks, Beaks. Uh, You know, I know this is a Colorado-based podcast, but uh, when Gritty came out, uh, I'm from Connecticut. The band's from Connecticut. When Gritty came out, everybody laughed that first day. But by the second day, I hate the Flyers, but I love Gritty. I love Gritty and uh he's just an odd mascot uh he's a rebel he's orange and he's hairy so i wrote a uh, the song gritty christmas and a hockey new year and you can check it out it's on uh, the old spotify and all the companies that don't pay us any money but uh definitely check it out uh and have yourself a very gritty christmas
0: much Dave that was great dude uh, always a pleasure to get a Dave Zamboni's so all right let's get back into it I mean um, yeah uh, Bryce kind of touched on your humble beginnings uh, before we before we uh, took a break um, yeah just kind of kind of break us down like uh, about the young Sean McMorra kind of taking you all the way up into the juniors like just how you kind of got into hockey and um, and just kind of break us down on that little bit of journey real quick
1: yeah for sure so so i i grew up in scarborough which is a suburb of toronto it's in the east end and i am the second oldest in my family there's my sister then there's myself and i got two younger brothers so i'm the, I'm the oldest brother so i was obviously the first one to play hockey you know my sister was playing ringette and you know so i kind of set the example Kind of for for the three boys. And um, I was I just took a liking to it, man. And I I I wasn't really that good of a skater my first couple of years. But then I kind of really got the hang of it. And then because I was so big at that time, size was such a big deal when it came to hockey.
3: To now you our listeners how how tall are you and how much do you weigh? Just to remind our listeners how big you are. Okay, so
1: I'm my, my playing my playing weight was two twenty-five. Um I'm I'm six foot four. And uh, right now I'm probably about two fifteen, still six foot four. Just <laughs> a
0: solid piece of man. <laughs>
1: and uh, thanks, buddy. And so 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 yeah, so I I just I got lucky and I I got picked for a AAA team in Toronto where the coach really wanted this team to go on the most tournaments, wanted wanted the players to have the best stuff. Like we were this stud team in Toronto with like leather jackets and going on all these crazy tournaments and and all that kind of stuff. So I was with the same group of players all the way up pretty much until junior. And um, I just got really lucky, man. I got really lucky and was part of a great program. Us. And, and well and that's
0: great man i mean uh, uh, not everybody's uh lucky enough to go through that it's just but it does it, it, uh, and being able to play with the same kind of guys for so long it really it, like er, i feel like early it really instills a lot of love for just the game just to, and just to want to keep going you know um because uh, i was lucky enough to play a lot of play with a lot of the same guys and that kind of really ushered in my love for the game um how do you think that kind of took you into journey juniors like in and, and just being able to because I mean you played for a couple uh you, you played for a couple uh junior like OHL teams, yeah. Um just yeah. yeah just once you started playing in the juniors, where where did that put your mindset on maybe possibly actually having a decent career in hockey?
1: Yeah, uh I again great question. So for me, I was I was really lucky, man. I I was a really high draft pick in the OHL draft. So I was a second rounder, 33rd overall, right? So I was like halfway Killing. through the second round, right? Because it's like a 20-team league. Yeah, yeah. And so because I was such, a, such a, like a higher pick, I got like a decent contract. So I went in there with confidence. I, I started doing like the fighting part of it right away, was doing well, was known as one of the tougher guys in the league, but I really kind of had to prove like that, that I could play like at the next level. And I really didn't get a chance to do that until the sixth team, man, in the OHL, the Oshawa Generals, because all those teams prior to that were pretty much just kind of sticking me out there to scrap. You know what I mean? And you can have the heavyweight championship belt of the OHL, <laughs> but if you don't prove that you can play a regular shift, then you're not going to that next level, right? So the Hunters did me a huge favor when I was playing for the London Knights, and uh, this is actually kind of a a funny story, and I'm sure you guys are all fans of, I mean, again, you guys are so young, but Brian McGratton, the Big Urn, I'm sure you guys are are fans of the Big Urn, right? right. Right. So this story involves Gratz, so Gratz is playing in Oshawa, (laughs) There just happened to be a situation where there was an argument that got out of hand and a you know a desk was flipped, and as a result, Gratz got traded to the Owen Sound Platers. So the Oshawa Generals were looking for a guy they were going to give third-line re- third ice to that wanted to stick his big butt in front of the net <laughs> and, and that was really going to give him an opportunity to play. The Hunters, who were just using me as a tough guy, saw this opportunity, traded me there for the second half of my last year, I went to Oshawa, got that third-line ice, got to stick my big butt in front of the net on the power play, got to score, show that I could score some goals. Like, there was one game I got a hat-trick, man. You have no idea what that does for your confidence when you're getting two, three goals a year, and then all of a sudden you're getting three goals in one game, right? So my confidence skyrocketed. I was playing a regular shift. My skating started getting better because I was just, like, so much more confident. And as a result, guys, that's how I signed my entry level. Because I'm telling you, like I don't I don't a lot of guys get drafted, but they don't sign. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And absolutely. so that was still would have been a big accomplishment. But I think because I was able to prove that I could play when I went to Oshawa, that was the reason why why at the end I signed that NHL entry level contract.
3: And that's so cool because you know y- not only do you have this asset of yourself to fight and stick up for your teammates at this point in time but you're also proving that you know i can actually skate i can be a 200 foot player you know i can back check and fork check and play the right positions and that's so cool the fact that you're able to get a hat trick like what is that like like what was that just like you know kind of take us through each each of the goals you can't just do it (laughs) for a second do you remember it all oh yeah oh definitely i want to kind of understand what it was like yeah
1: yeah, yeah, so, okay, so now, this is also at a time where, remember I mentioned how, how like, I, I, I was a big fan of Muhammad Ali, right? Oh, yeah. So this was the same time that the movie came out where Will Smith played Muhammad Ali. I don't know if any of you guys have ever yeah, seen yeah, it, it's yeah, called yeah. Ali, it's just yeah. called Ali, right? So, I was kind of, like, imitating him, like, I'm 19 years old, I'm very, very overconfident, right I, i'm sorry i'm like i already have the title like people were like yeah I mean, well, was the toughest guy in the league this year it was my last year so you know there was a group of guys in my age group where it had to be one of us right most people were saying my name but that wasn't enough i had to prove that i could play a regular shift right so this game was against the peterborough petes and i remember like my first couple of goals they were like kind of like tip-ins and like I think one actually went off my butt, and I got credit for it. And you know, some people are like, "Yeah, <laughs> it is funny, man. It's all right." great. I love it. People, people were giving me credit for scoring, but they're like, "He hasn't really scored like a nice goal yet. He's just kind of tipped them in." And but man, this game, man, one of them was a wrap around. I remember. Ooh. One of them was like, I got, I got the, like it was perfect. Got the pass right in the high slot. I just zipped her home. That one felt really good because it was just like Did you, you know the play? follow through and <laughs> straight in the net, right? Oh, and then the third one was a tip on the power play, but hey, but whatever. yeah, those were the three. And thanks for asking me, man, because it, it's nice to talk uh, to. Well, stuff no, because like I just <laughs> I wish you were
3: I wish more NHL players are like this and we describe how they got a hat trick or a goal because you're so like. <laughs> he's just so like all over the place I it's, love great. It. It's, it's great it's no, great to yeah, me no. like, cause
0: I mean hell dude uh, every time I scored a goal I, you know I, I I loved it you know scoring goals are fu- is fun it's fun you every know? time yeah. it, it, it never it, gets old and I mean it, to be in that position too to like to really to, to, to prove it to everybody like oh well this guy you know he's only he's only here to scrap and then next thing you know you're scoring a fucking hat trick it's just like it's the best you know it's just like yeah I can do both so it's great to hear these kind of stories because this this is why we love it. This is why we love the game. This is why we play the game, you know? Yeah. And so, like, I mean, with that confidence, man, it just, it it, it feels like, you know, you can do anything. And and, uh, obviously, you got your ELC, and... uh, Describe describe how that uh, how that whole uh, that actually came about you know like when when Buffalo kind of like reached out to you and said yeah we want to give you we want to give you a contract and just kind of describe the feeling and uh, like what that meant to you at that moment.
1: Yeah, so it, it, uh, another great question. Um, so pre- I'm pretty sure it works the same way with with the rules and stuff. When a player is finishing their last year of junior like I was, right, that would have been two years after they got drafted. So when you get drafted as a Canadian major junior player, you have two years to get signed by your NHL team, or you become a free agent again, right? So, right. So, 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 that's what I meant by like a lot of guys get drafted, but they might not sign that entry level. Like the team will just decide, you know, to pass on them or whatever. So, they have until June the 1st. That's where I'm trying to get to with this. They have until June the 1st. So, when I finished that season in Oshawa, we just happened to head to, to play the Belleville Bulls in the first round. Jason Spezza, a couple other big names were there. And they ended up beating us in five. So we were done, like, I think we were, it was, like, early May. Like, end of April, early May, we were done. So there was still quite a quite an amount of time until June the 1st. Uh, you know, like like four to six weeks or something like that. So that was what the time was where it was a little bit nerve-wracking because I knew that, man, They like most of them happened on that day. But you could sign any time up until, until that time. Like, that was the deadline, right? Right. So, it was, um, I signed on that day, of course. And uh, it was, my agent was, like, in contact with me um, the days leading up to that day. And he was like, okay, Mac, you know, they're, you know, before the sheriff, it was just Mac, right? So, he's, he's like, okay, Mac, like, they, they definitely want to sign you. This is what they're offering. This is what I think think about it you know we got to make a decision by the first so it it was it was very it was it was incredible conversations to have um just knowing that an nhl team's interested in in you coming out to practice would be someone's dream right so you know being offered a three-year contract you know it it was it was it was a a dream come true guys it was great
3: you said the sheriff and only sheriff i know in colorado is peyton manning Right, in terms of sports. No, like, like, uh, Scott like,
0: Parker, thank you very much. Yeah. Well,
3: I mean, <laughs> Scott Parker never had a nickname to the sheriff.
1: Oh, yeah, right, yeah, man. no, 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 no <laughs> hold on, hold on. I have to interrupt. I have to interrupt only because Scott Parker, a special guest on my show, he is the original sheriff. And I made it clear. And I, and I told a story in our episode where I said, man, Parks, man, when they first started calling me the sheriff, you know, I was loving it. It I, I made me feel very humble. But I really hope that I didn't run into Scott Parker because he's the original sheriff, man. And he's a pretty tough dude. You know what I mean? Oh. But, but, yeah, they, they, uh, Scott Parker's nickname is the sheriff.
3: That's so cool. I remember I remember I met yeah. Scott Parker after he fought, I think, uh, Great the Rock. He just fought La Rock, I believe. Yeah, and another
1: guest on my show. And he Both was, of them, great guy. He, oh, he was.
3: He's at a hockey camp for me, and I got to take a picture with the guy. And then he had, I remember yeah, with Parks, and I was probably you know eight nine years old, and he had yeah. two black eyes, like just from rapper yeah. fighting The Rock. And I was yeah. just like, man, this dude is a yeti, like a legitimate yeti, the beard and everything. Like Scott Parker's a big man.
1: Scott Parker's first NHL fight: Bob Probert. When? Scott Parker Scott Parker's second NHL fight, the Grim Reaper Stu Gripson. <laughs> that guy's like he, he's a legend, Parks. Man, the sheriff, the original sheriff.
0: Oh yeah, that's that's so funny that you told that story because I was I was going to ask you about that because I know I saw I saw that you had uh, Parks on your podcast and I was like, yeah, there, there's no way that's not coming up, and uh, so that's 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 awesome. I uh, didn't even have to ask the question. That's that's incredible. So I mean, how did how did the the nickname for you? I mean, obviously, get ushered in. Like who who really kind of like brought. That or brought that upon you.
1: So, originally, the first person that said it was my the first time I went to that Quebec league. I was at my owner's bar. He came up to me. He was very happy with me. You know, we we won. I had two good fights, and he's like, "From now on, we call you Le Sheriff," and and that's the sheriff in French, right? Yeah. So, yes. so, like, that's when it first was said, but it only became popular when I went to the Belfast Giants. When I went to the Belfast Giants, they made t-shirts, they made badges, and they really promoted it, and that's kind of how it really like, started gaining traction.
0: Yeah. And, and Speaking of which, I mean, coming from you know, obviously North American hockey. Uh, what's uh, what was the like the, the stark differences between you know North American hockey and um, you know uh, hockey in the UK? Because uh, we uh, uh, a while ago we had a uh, let's the, the let's talk hockey podcast on uh, Max Artist, uh, the the host. So they only talk about. Uh, uh, uk hockey so in, yeah. in your eyes what like you know what are the similarities the differences and like like uh, that you went through going from north america to the uk to play hockey
1: so great question so in in the U, well first off just so everybody knows they use olympic size ice yeah with every rink there okay so first of all it's olympic size ice so it's bigger ice surface um that league specifically is probably the most similar to north american hockey and the reason is because they allow 10 imports and those imports it's usually like like six canadians and four americans or you know, five, five Americans, four Canadians, and one Swedish guy. Or It's mostly Canadian or American imports. And those Canadian or American players have to have played either in the ECHL, AHL, or NHL the season before that year to be eligible to be in the league. People oh. don't know that. Yeah, not know like that guys, think that that guys yeah. from the Federal League and the wow. SP and guys from the Quebec League, the league that I've been talking about, some of those players have interest to go over there, but then they find out that they're just not eligible. You have to play either in the Coast, the American League, or the show. And so they have high standards. Like they're all either AHL guys or really, really good Coast guys oh, that yeah. are the imports. Right, so if you think about it, ten players, so that's two lines and four defensemen, right? So it's pretty much the core of the team, or all AHL and Coast guys over there.
0: And well, that's awesome because it adds a lot of uh, a lot of like positive parity to the league. It makes oh it- yeah,
1: man, yeah. And just think about it. Think about those guys tailgating, like the, you know how the soccer. Fans like, like tailgate, and then they got the pubs over there in the UK. Like, it's a big party, man, and that's why that league has fighting in it still, too, because they just love the tough guys over there, man. I you mean, guys, I mean, you I, guys would love to watch a game over there.
0: Oh, absolutely, like hockey hooligans. Yeah, you no, know?
1: seriously. A, me, oh
3: yeah, we, <laughs> we girl trip. <laughs> yeah. Um. You no. Know, so I have a, a you know two part question. You know first one's going to be pretty easy, you know, who is your favorite fight, and you know, I want to know about that. And second thing is, I asked Doug Smith the same question, the actual goon, right? So I asked him the same question, um, what are some of the unwritten rules in fighting um, that just kind of happen? I know you can take your hammer off, not in the NHL anymore, you have to keep it on, but what are the unwritten rules? Like, what do you say, like, how do you start a fight, like, what are the unwritten rules? Just tell us a little bit more about the insides and outs of fighting.
1: Right on. So, so the first question was, what's my most memorable fight? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for me, it would have to be it was a fight that I had in NHL preseason. It, it was, I was playing for Buffalo. It was against the Ottawa Senators, Chris Neal. Okay. Oh, and, 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 and yeah, the reason why is, first of all, because I got the decision. <laughs> hey, but secondly, just because. Ottawa was such a big rival of Buffalo at that time and and the years leading after. And so it was just I got like a lot of credit for the couple fights that I had against Chris Neal. Um, As far as unwritten rules, the two biggest ones that are most important to me is not to hit a guy when he's down and not to go after a guy at the end of his shift. So, for example, let's say I just, I'm almost done my shift. A tough guy comes out. He's like, Whoa, let's go, let's go, let's go. I can say with, with all honor and glory, bro, I'm, this is the end of my shift. F you, let's go next shift. Yeah. And it's okay because it's an unwritten rule that you don't go after a guy at the end of his shift. Didn't know that It's one. also an unwritten rule that you don't hammer a guy when he's already down. You have to have honor. We're not trying to kill our opponent. We're trying to defeat him in combat and gain momentum for our teams. We're not trying to put them out for the rest of the season, right? Because we need we need them to come back so we can beat them up again. (laughs) Right.
2: And then I actually had a question for you too, Sean. uh, Two parter. So uh, first off, when you signed your uh, entry level deal. Uh, What kind of pressures did you feel, first off, from uh, Buffalo? Did you feel any type of pressure at all when you signed that entry-level deal? Okay, yeah, it's good.
1: We're good. Okay.
2: Um, So, first off, uh, when you signed your entry-level deal with uh, Buffalo, what kind of pressures did you feel? Did you feel like you had to go be that third-line guy who could skate and score a little bit, or did you feel like you had to be that tough guy who could just bang with anybody and just, you know, scrap, throw the gloves? So, I mean... Really just kind of looking, how did did you feel after you signed that uh, entry-level deal?
1: Yeah, that's another great question. Now, I again, I lucked out a little bit because I had a local agent from Buffalo that was also the agent for Eric Bolton, who was on the Sabres. So the dream of my agent, my, my former agent, Mike Welcome, great guy, was for me and Bolts to be the guys, right? So there was Rob Ray, Eric Bolton, Andrew Peters, and myself. He really needed McMorrow and Bolton because those were who, his two players, right? It ended up being Razor and Bolts, and then and then PD and and Bolts, right? So I um I I I I I got to be thankful for the, the opportunities that I had. Like there was a year. After the lockout, I really think I would have made the team if the rules hadn't switched and they hadn't like changed everything around so much. Yeah. Um, my my send down meeting, like like because I was one of the last cuts, um, they pretty much told me that, right? Um during the lockout, I won most improved player for the Rochester Americans. And I'm telling you, man, in order to get that award, you have to have a good season. That was my third year on Rochester. And I believe that I would have gotten, man, probably about ten or fifteen games that year. Minimum, man. I was I was just I, I didn't get injured. I was I was doing well in all my fights. I, I put up some numbers. I think I had I had like three goals, three assists compared to like one assist, two assists. You know what I mean? So like I I, I think that I like I think under different circumstances, maybe if I was a little bit older, I, I think I would have got a better shot. The Buffalo's depth chart was really, really deep. But I'm glad that I got to play the preseason. I'm glad that they called me up, and I, I'll be thankful for just any – the draft, everything. I'm very thankful to the Buffalo Sabres.
0: That's awesome. Unreal, yeah. Uh, like, and uh, you, all, you also won Man of the Year as well, right? In, in Ro- was that in Rochester?
1: Yeah, so so in in in, in, Ro- in Rochester, the AHL has an award. It's called the Man of the Year Award. So it, it's given to the player that, that has the biggest impact in his community. So for me, guys, like I like I know you guys like must be Rob Ray fans. You must have seen at least some old videos of, of Razor of course, Rob of Ray course. fighting for of Buffalo, course. right?
0: Oh yeah. So okay.
1: now Rob Ray is the ultimate um, uh, community guy, ultimate charity guy. He was winning, like, it's not even about the awards. The award is just recognizing the dedication of the person, right? Yeah. He was getting recognized for for things left, right, and center. I saw this at a young age when I was just a draft pick, and I really tried to, like, mirror what Rob Ray did in Buffalo. I signed up for every single appearance I could possibly do. I did all the charitable events and went into the schools, the rec centers, the hospitals. And as a result, I gained so much skills, experience. I met so many wonderful people. I realized that volunteering is just like, volunteering is like it's like a university. You learn so much and you meet so many people. People have no idea, man. That word has been tainted from the beginning of time because it's the best thing that ever happened to me, the volunteer. And then all that fun led to three Man of the Year awards. <laughs> So it was it In was meantime, a time for me.
0: Chat it, well you're, you're you're really speaking to the choir because we're huge uh we're like we're huge community guys too I mean um we've uh, we've all been touched by uh, a local Colorado uh, hockey charity uh, dog nation hockey foundation that's all about helping out injured and sick hockey players and I mean they've helped me out so many times so yeah you're, you're striking a huge chord with us too that's that's one of the big things that yeah. we, that we just love like especially about a lot of hockey players is that they're so willing to hop in and really, you know, fight for the community, you know, is,
3: and you should totally come to tournament and play with us. You should totally come to the tournament.
1: Yeah, bro, I I would love to, man. I I know, and I'm being serious, man. Like like like, you know, you got you guys would be surprised, like how like like see how we're doing this show, right? It's it's just one show. But so much can, is going to come out of this. We're going to know each other for a very, very long time, gentlemen. And there'll be multiple, multiple things, I bet you, that we'll be involved with together. But the first thing I got to – yeah, oh, yeah. The first thing I got to ask you guys I, or comment I, – I meant to say it at the beginning of the show. I have to comment to the listeners out there the incredible jerseys that these hosts are wearing right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, we got – like, okay, but the Seattle Kraken – that jersey, it looks even better in, in, in like up up close and personal. Like that's a sick jersey. I'm man. happy you said something right? about it. Like I've been
3: getting a lot of comments on it, but it's not actually a Seattle Kraken jersey. It's so from. What is it then? Well, it's from one of our other recordings. It's from um, Above the Sky Productions, and they are in Denver, and they make a lot of different concept jerseys based on you know different musicians. So league teams. Yeah, so this is not a real jersey. The backer just not rocket. It's pretty cool. Um, okay, but yeah. but that has nothing to do with Seattle. No, it's just a concept jersey, man. Yeah.
4: Wow. Yeah, but the that Seattle jersey cool, though, man. I'm with you.
3: The Seattle jerseys, I think everyone can say the Seattle jerseys are pretty damn sick. The uniforms are so cool. They're so. Fresh. I can't wait for their third yeah. their third jerseys, their project jerseys they came out with the, um, the native jerseys. I think are pretty it was cool. like a
1: warm up. Like it was the indigenous. The yeah, indigenous right? natives, yeah. yeah, the native jersey, they're pretty yeah, cool. bro, that was really yeah, that nice. I, so saw or just so I saw that, which was I saw that on IG, man. Yeah, it was really nice, buddy. But yeah, no, I, I had to comment, and then obviously, okay, so this is natural mm-hmm. predators, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's hey, the saber yeah. Tooth. Sick, and of course, the Maple Leafs, most classic. Classic logo
0: that's in the a, league. That's a Sundin, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, the cap. Is,
2: Isn't it? It's uh, Matt's? Yeah,
0: Gotta be. You know, I, I, I've got an affinity for the Swedish players. So, I mean, Matt Sundin, uh, one of my all-time favorite players growing up, for sure. Um, what a shame he didn't, never did a Stanley <laughs> Cup, though. Right. That's Nine-oh. totally... Uh, him, and, him and Alfie. What a, what a
2: shame Paul Correa never won one in Colorado with Tamo. Oh, gosh, yeah. Well, it's,
3: it's, time. Yeah, so it's all positive right now. We're all taping to, our, taping to our sticks, so to say, you know. Um So I think, you know, on a positive note, just tell us a little bit more about what you're doing right now for the community. You Just so you're being a um, motivational speaker. Um Tell us a little about what you're doing right now and uh how people can follow you.
1: Awesome. Well, it's, it's, it, it's an exciting time right now, guys, because... I'm actually this the, the the fact that I'm I'm doing a podcast just like you guys right called the Sheriff podcast and it's a running resume for me right now for me entering the the sports broadcasting world right so My goal is to have a career in sports broadcasting. I also want to be a motivational speaker. So what I'm doing now is I'm setting a tour for me to get as most experience as possible because 2022 is when I really want to come out and and really like show face in the industry, right? So I'm doing some kind of like, again, volunteering to speak at some of my old schools which is really cool for me, like my elementary school I went there grade one to eight. And I'm going to speak to the grade sevens and eights and talk to them about, you know, how important it is to be active and play sports and, and, and you, what it was like for me growing up in the area. And, you know, like that's really cool for me. You know what I mean? And, and, and that was developed from me volunteering all those years in the AHL. Me speaking at the the appearances for my teams. That's where I realized that I really have a passion for these type of things. I like speaking in front of groups. I like being in front of the camera. As you guys know, I like to talk. (laughs) So that's me. Yeah, and, uh, and this, I feel like especially
0: doing like a podcast as well is like it's it's a very well I mean well while, while we're sitting here on a podcast, it's a it's it's a great way to really get a like just get a voice out and I mean obviously you've got a you've got an incredible voice to uh, you know to to speak on all this so like um, uh, where was the whole idea to even start the the podcast podcast and I mean where where do you want it to go I mean obviously to like sports to i mean for uh like uh, uh broadcasting and stuff like where do you th- where do, where else do you want this thing to go is the sheriff
2: the next next steve dangle
1: yeah a um, uh, great question man i um i i okay so so the whole podcast thing how it started was i was a guest just like i am now on a great show called Enforcers Corner, done by a gentleman named Kyle Warner, who's based out of Philly. And he was mostly had guests of all, like older AHL tough guys, because he was a big AHL fan growing up and you know went to a lot of games and and you know he started the show. And you know, me and him got along really well. I mentioned in the show that I had an interest in, in maybe doing a podcast one day. Right. So you know when we when we finished recording you know he called me a couple days later to tell me when it was going to be released and said hey dude you know i i, I know you mentioned that that you're interested in, in doing doing a podcast he's like he's like well here's an idea why don't me and you join forces i know all the tech stuff i, I already have my own show i have it on spotify i'll do everything we'll be co we'll be co-hosts you're the player i'm the, i'm the co-host tech guy and, and 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 we'll join forces and make it work so so that's pretty much what we did you know he's like we'll call it the sheriff that's that's your nickname. And, and we just ha- have, have been having a lot of fun with it, guys, and, and just, you know, reconnecting with, with a lot of people and meeting all new people and people that I've been looking up to my whole life. I get to interview and like it's a pretty cool thing, as you guys know from from you guys doing it as well. Yeah,
0: and I I've got to echo that man. We've we've truly met some incredible people and and I've yeah. met like new friends and like ex- and the best part about it is expanding uh, the hockey community while making it more tight knit at the same time. And it's 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 always a gas to like meet new got meet new friends and uh, talk about the game that we love. And that's why that's why we do it. You know, it's that's that's the best part about it. I mean, even uh, going forward tonight. Just like you said, man, you, you uh we'll, we'll probably be in each other's inboxes uh, way too much, you know.
3: <laughs> and well, I have one Dude. more question for you. I have one more question yeah. here. I just yeah. I just chirping, you know, chirping's part of the sport, all all the shit talk that we do to each other as players. What's yeah. some of the funniest things that like someone said to you? And, and you know, what's you know, just what kind of gets you into a fight? Like, what do you say? How do you start one?
1: Okay, so so you're right, chirping, huge part of the game. Now, the thing with me is I always tried to do, like, a little extra just because, like, I don't know, I just I just felt that I just kind of had to go kind of, like, a little an extra mile, right? So not only would I definitely be fighting the, the toughest guy on the other side, like, that, that was my job. Any team I'm on, other than maybe the one year I was with Alex Penner, we, we, we had a bunch of number of ones on our team. But, you know, every year I've always been the guy, right? So everyone knows McMorrow, McMorrow's willing to fight the toughest guy on the other side. But what I was also willing to do was not let anyone win any shirt matches against my team, man. I was, anyone started talking trash to my bench, I would get right in there and just, you know, boom, 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 boom. But it gets funny sometimes because it's a long season. Some of these guys, like, when I played in Rochester, we played Syracuse 12 times one season. Oh, 12 geez. times. Oh God. And, and then we played them in the first round of the playoffs to a seven-game series. Imagine playing a team 19 times.
0: <laughs> you do
1: not want to see their faces. You do not want to see their faces anymore. You are sick and tired of them. Oh, yeah. Trust me. There was one scenario where I was chirping a guy on that team that year. We both said the same chirp at the same time, and we just started laughing and uh, just saying, "Hey, man, good chirp, what'd man." You say? We just had enough of each other.
0: What'd you say, Jinx? You want me
1: a coke? <laughs> probably just like, 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 like. Okay, it was like, probably like fuck you, um,
3: like f you. <laughs> just, just getting by each did other. Did you just get out
1: here? Have you been playing tonight? Uh, 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 what uh, uh, first shift, something hey, like hey, that. Guys.
2: First shift. <laughs> you know what
1: I mean? Yeah. I didn't even know you were. I didn't even know you were playing tonight, bud. Hey, Beeks, I didn't even know you are in the lineup tonight, buddy. Holy, hi, Beeks. Nice to meet you, bud.
0: Uh, <laughs> this is fantasy camp for you, bud. <laughs> oh, man, that's uh, that's absolutely incredible. Uh, Sean, we've had so much fun, dude. I absolutely love talking to you, man.
2: I got one more for you, Sean. 500-plus penalty minutes in 60-plus fights in 40 games. Tell me, did everybody just decide to try you that year, or you just wanted to be the heavyweight champion forever? That's a lot of
1: fighting, dude. So, okay, so, so, so this is the, this was the first go around in that Quebec league, right? I could
2: could not get into it. 500 plus penalty points. Come on,
1: guy. Now, at that time, at that time was when the league was still pretty crazy like five, six fighters on each team. It's not like that anymore. It hasn't been like that probably like seven or eight years, right? right? But in 2007, 2008, or whatever season that was, like, like uh, within a year of what I said, um, yeah, man, it was, it, was, it was still a crazy league. We were the top team. I was rated the number one fighter on my team, so I was literally getting paid to fight at least once every game. Holy and some shit. games it was twice.
2: Well, I mean, right? obviously you you played 48 games and you had 500 plus minutes. So, yeah. How many times did you fight four times in one game that season? I'm just
1: <laughs> Man, it was just it was it was a very unique year, man. And like I I just remember being lucky that I didn't get injured that year.
4: I yeah. think I
1: extend, I hurt one of my fingers or something, but like it was, man, I, I, it was a very, everything was working out for me that year. Like, I, I, I had a great girl by my side. I was living in a great place. I was living downtown Montreal in a great condo. Nice. You know what I mean? I, I had the best dog in the world for, for you dog lovers out there. Oh, yeah, it was just absolutely. a great time in my life, man. I was, like, 26, 27 years old, and, you know, it was just, uh, it, was, it was rock and roll time, you know? And you were
2: the best scrapper in your league. No big <laughs> deal. <no. laughs>
1: Big old tough guy.
3: Well, hey, you know, how do people follow you? You know, uh, social media, tell us, you know, how do people reach you out? Sponsors, throw it out there.
1: Yeah, so um, I'm at Sheriff McMorrow on all platforms. So the Instagram and Twitter, at Sheriff McMorrow. Um, My podcast is at the Sheriff Podcast. And Facebook is Sheriff Sean McMorrow. And, And that's what we are. I'm just on social media right now. There's no website right now, but there's a lot of new, exciting things coming out. Uh, with the podcast as we're, we, we're going to settle on which sponsor we're going to go with and, and stuff like that. So a lot of exciting stuff going on, and, and I, I'm really glad to be able to, to be on your show, guys.
0: Oh, well, we we're, we're, were like as soon as we uh, we got the go for. We were uh, for cheesing. This, we, we were we cheesing. Were absolutely cheesing, man. Um, thank you so much. So, so very, very much. Uh, do you want to send any shout outs to uh, any of them cute looking women's out there or anything like that before we head out?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I definitely got to give a shout out to my brother-in-law, Danny Granger. Uh, he, he's he's the manager, producer, artist of my show. Uh, he also has an incredible art line at Danny Granger Art. And, uh, yeah, man, we're, we're pretty much a tag team right now with the podcast and we're, we're making it happen. And, um, you know, obviously I'm thankful for the support of my family and, and, and I, and I, and I'm also very thankful for all anyone that supports uh, the, the show. Um, we try to create a lot of awareness on our show. So we're glad that people are tuning in and, and listening to the content.
0: Beautiful. Uh, boys, you guys got anything, uh, to shout out or anything like that?
1: Yeah,
3: no, um, you know, just, uh, power by Sunrun. Second thing is, uh, I guess my beer nation and dog nation. So we really do expect you to be out here to play in this hockey tournament, dude. So um, come support us. We'll support you any way we can, vice versa.
1: Work. We're connected now, man. Oh, you guys, yeah. you guys are, you guys are in it now, man. Don't worry. We're all, we're all buddies now, bro. You guys call me anytime. I'm calling you anytime. Hey, Absolutely. You act,
2: like you act like we're scared, sheriff. We want to be around.
1: There you go, man. You guys got to come up here too, man. You guys have a blast up here. Oh, plus, that's plus that's your money tra- Plus, your money is, is like is like time and a half, man. pretty hey, uh, much. Yeah, You um, guys, trust me,
0: a hundred dollars will go far up here, man. I love buying Canadian. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, check out the Sheriff Podcast on uh, you on Spotify, right? Spotify. Yeah, uh, yes. Yes.
1: Spotify, uh, Apple Podcast, Anchor and youtube
0: oh yeah and then uh check out check out uh, uh Sean's instagram uh the sheriff podcast instagram and then you can always catch um on the bench of beaks on uh spotify apple podcast google podcast breaker podbean um verbal podcast facebook and anchor Oh, that, yeah. always, that always drives yeah. me nuts. And you can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, big shout-out goes to Sean for uh, being able to come on and absolutely having a fun time. And uh, the, let me uh, give a shout-out to all our monthly supporters, um, Todd Sawatsky, um, Vivian Smith, Nicole Vale, Lexi Schilling, Brooke McAllister, and um, uh, Kathy Mormo. Uh, so thank you to all the fans thank you to the listeners thank you to Sean and uh, until then V Horsch
2: salute later looking forward to part 2 guys Mm,
4: let's try the damn thing see what happens